Welcome to episode 23 of the Golf Betting System podcast. We're discussing the 2018 RBC Heritage on the PGO Tour and the Open de España on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour previewer at Golf Betting System, and with me we have True Masters tipping royalty. Step forward, Captain America fan club members, Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan from a Good Talk Sport podcast. Evening, gentlemen. Congratulations. Evening, guys. Evening, guys. I can't. What, what, how can I? I can't praise you guys more than enough for uh, for for tipping up Patrick Reed last week, and it was a, a well deserved victory, I thought. But we'll talk about that in a short while. As ever, some housekeeping before we move ahead. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk. You can find us by searching golf betting, golf betting tips, golf betting system, anything like that in a search engine of your choice. Twitter handles: I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. We're available on Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn for Android users, and also Player FM. Now, it's great to have you listening, and we all, all we ask for is that you like and follow us on Podbean and leave us some positive customer reviews and ratings. A few seconds' effort would make the three of us very happy and help to spread the word about the podcast. Now... These iTunes reviews and ratings we've been asking for, guys, as of this week, we're now at a five-star rating on iTunes, which is fantastic. So keep them coming, chaps. Keep them coming, listeners. Uh, Give us your reviews and ratings on iTunes. We actually got this uh, gentleman from Dolmeister last week. He said, awesome, five stars. It's an awesome golf betting pod for the golf betting geek exclamation mark. I quite like that. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. That will indeed. do. If uh, if if you leave us these comments, we will uh, read them out at the start of each and every show unless they're particularly bad and I'll ignore them. But anyway, <laughs> we'll move forward. I suppose should we talk for 2 minutes? I might as well let you two just fill your boots. And uh, after filling your bank account last night with uh, Patrick Reed, so uh, I'll, I'll 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 stop talking and let you two go at it for two minutes. It was impressive, Barry, wasn't it? Very impressive, Mister Reed. Yeah, um, I'm not sure about the uh, fan club. I, I'm a big fan <laughs> of the money we made off him. Look, it, I think everybody is broadly on the same page when it comes to the guy and his likability as a person, but. Um, you know, to be able to set that aside and just look at the golfer himself, he was sensational this week. Um, I, I think the resi- I think the thing that really struck, struck stuck out to me was his resilience. Any time there was any little wobble, he bounced back so quickly. With usually straight back with a birdie after he made a bogey, yeah. if not within within a couple of holes. Yeah. And uh, that I mean that's a huge thing around there because you don't feel like you're you're losing too much ground at all. Um, another thing we pointed out last week was the disaster avoidance. He went through all seventy two holes without uh, anything, with anything. Uh, nothing worse than a bogey and uh, you know that that that's very helpful around Augusta you know because then you're not having to chase he was he was he was uh it was a sensational performance yeah oh to have the pressure that um Spieth firstly and um and, and Fowler um right towards the end put on him um and to uh, to to kind of ignore that or, or to, to take it in his stride and to uh, you know, to get over the line, I thought was really impressive. As you say, bounce back ability all the way through, Barry. He was, uh, you know, mistakes, yeah. And uh, we were talking about this just before we came on air. The number of bogeys that he made over the course of the week uh, compared to a normal Masters winner was, you know, it's way out of kilter. But he was, uh, he was balancing that with 22 birdies and a couple of eagles over the course of the week, which is a big old haul for, uh, for Augusta National. He, um, he birdied or eagled. Thirty-three percent of the holes, which I think is the second highest since 2010, second only to Jordan Spieth. He was 38 percent when he won in 2015. Mm. So he was he was absolutely shooting the lights out. But yes, quite a few bogeys, but two eagles and 22 birdies tends to win a golf tournament. Yeah, I mean, he clearly splits splits opinion, and um, you know, it's, 
whilst some people will like it the way um, you know his demeanour and the way he, way he handles himself some people clearly won't and uh, you know looking at some of the comments on our Facebook group last night um, apart from the people who backed him and there were quite a few given the uh, you know given what we were reading last night the people who were moaning and groaning generally um, they they were trying to you know, trying to understand what it, what it is what, what's what's about Patrick Reed that means he's entitled to be a, a major champion but you look at his stats from from the weekend and he was uh, third for total driving sixth for ball striking first for putts per greens in regulation they, they, those are winning kind of stats so yeah uh, he know, was long and Pat straight Sutton. wasn't he which yeah. actually isn't really Patrick Reed is it but he was no. hitting a lot of fairways he's as dead. Sergio did last year. Yeah, hit the fairways, you know, and, and as Barry said last week, and he picked up on this uh, this fade that he'd been working on, um, and you can see it in action. You know, it's clearly not the finished article quite yet in terms of uh, you know building it seamlessly into his repertoire, but um, you know he was pulling it off when he needed to, and uh, you know the, the the draw that he plays as his stock shot was absolutely spot on for so many of those holes. It's uh, yeah, I, I think you guys hit it on the head last week. Actually, if you think it through, I think. Barry mentioned the Ian Poulter scenario, motivating. I think there was something in that. Um, he had he wasn't in the top ten automatic spots for the US Ryder Cup team, and he has. You can just you saw that he was starting to peak for the tournament, didn't he? Because he started the year abysmally, yeah. and then all of a sudden there was mo- you know there was momentum coming. He, he had popped up on the leaderboard at Bay Hill. I think he was contending at Copperhead, wasn't he? Yep. Which is always a good sign, um, but yeah, you also look at his correlating course form. Winner at Beth Page um, eighteen months ago, and that Beth Page correlation is huge. Mm. Um, a winner at Doral, the World Golf Championship. There, that again, players that um, tend to do well at Augusta have got great Doral top fives. Um, he had a top ten at Houston. There's a huge list of players that have finished in the top 10 at the Houston tournament and gone on to win the uh, the top the title at Augusta. So, you know, uh, there was some good links to Congressional. It was yeah. just the fact that when you looked at him, you just thought, well, he can't hit the prerequisite amount of greens of regulation he needs to win around Augusta. But he won it a different way, didn't he? He won it playing the way that Reed plays, which is hitting enough greens to be able to then use that really hot putter to get the job done. Yeah, I think he hit two thirds of Greens regulation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Which is I mean, clearly enough. Yeah, we kind of touched on it this time last week, didn't we? We said um, if he gets close to seventy percent playing the way he's playing and putting the way he's putting, then then he's got a chance. And yeah, he was second you know, for putting average, wasn't he? Yeah, it's, you know, overall it's it kind of panned yeah. out how we'd uh, well how we'd hoped it would, um, given what we said. So, yeah, very pleasing. Well, good work, chaps. But the golf betting world never stops. We're, it's a bit like after the Lord Mayor show, but we've got eager listeners. And uh, it was very, very... I mean, you'll back me up on this one, Paul. The, the, the amount of downloads that we got on this podcast were absolutely amazing. So thank oh, you to huge. everybody. Um, the amount of coverage that we got on YouTube, the, the show that we put up there every week, that was a record level. The level of people that came to the website—it was just a huge, huge uh, masters for us uh, golf betting system. So thank you to everyone. But we move on. Um, We—it's a decent event on the European tour. Of course, there's been no action for a number of weeks. Um, but we've got the Spanish National Open this week, the Open to Spania. Um, I know it's p- being played at a new course. Do you want to fill us in on some information, Paul? Yeah, so actually, it's the first time we're going back to Europe or going to Europe for the um, on the European tour for the season. So uh, yeah, we're nearly halfway through April and uh, we haven't been on European soil yet. Um, so yeah, we're heading off to the Spanish Open. Um, it didn't get played last year. It was uh, it was cancelled or it just wasn't on the schedule. Um, I'm guessing it was down to some of the financial challenges they've had over in over in Spain over the last few years. But back on the schedule now. Um, they have shifted from Valderrama, where the last one was, which was uh, which was won by Beef Johnston, um, and we're now at the Centro Nacional de Golf. Apologies for my uh, 
my Spanish and probably sounds a bit more like French. Um, so we call that CNG um, for uh, going forward now to simplify little things, uh, simplify things going forward. Um, so the CNG uh, is the track we're playing at. It's um, a 7,244 yard, um, yard past 72. Um, apparently it's going to be playing 7,096 yards for the tournament um, itself, although they've got um, a choice of a number of teeing options. So you may well find it kind of fluctuates between those two numbers. Um, anyway, past 72, round about 7,172. It's not particularly long. Um, it's an inland links style course, um, fescue rough, bent grass greens. Um, and whilst they haven't played this um, event here since 2007, the Spanish Open, we have had one other event um, on the track, which was the Madrid Masters um, back in 2009. Now, if you look at those two events, you've got the Spanish Open from 2007, Madrid Masters. The Spanish Open was uh, won by Ch Charles Schwartzel at 16 under par. The Madrid Masters was run, won by Ross McGowan at a massive 25 under par. So where we often see with the Spanish Open, you get a tough, tricky track. They set it up particularly difficult. Um, this course itself um, lends itself far more to low scoring. So um, in, in good conditions, you're gonna find a decent score here. And with, you know, it's a, it's a linksy style track and you get um, the same kind of scenario with a lot of links style tracks. Um, if the wind blows, then yes, it's gonna be quite tricky. If it's benign, then um, you're not gonna get uh, much of a challenge for the, uh, for the professionals um, around these parts. Um, into the course itself, uh, pretty standard setup, standard fare really, par 72, so four par fives, a par five to start both of the nines and you've got another par five on the 18th as well. And all, all of them are kind of 520, 510, 520 uh, yards. The longest one is the first, which is 570. And they all present big scoring opportunities, particularly for the longer hitters. Um, four sub 400 yard par fours and really, it looks like the, the most difficult part of the, the course itself is likely to be the par threes. Um, the rest of the course is there for the taking in decent conditions. Now it's worth saying, um, actually, the conditions, whilst it's not gonna be particularly windy, which would give the course some protection, it's not gonna be particularly Spanish. Um, the first couple of days, the temperature's gonna barely get above 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, it's gonna be wet, um, it's gonna be you know, typical. What's going on at the moment? All of these golf tournaments with really lo low temperatures, Oh, it's mad. Really strange. Yeah, yeah the, whole, uh, the whole weather pattern seems to be a bit, uh, bit mm. skew-whiff skew at the moment. It's it? ridiculously cold at Augusta first thing on Thursday and Friday. Oh, yeah. The, the, the starting, um, starting temperatures here for kind of 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, you're going to be looking about 40 Fahrenheit. So the guys are going to be going out you know, in full cold weather gear. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be particularly mm. chilly. Um, so and you reckon the first round leader would be an afternoon-type slot? Yeah, potentially. The only uh, com the only complication with um, Thursday is that it's going to get progressively wetter during the course of the day, and it's not actually going to get that much warmer. You know, it's going to start maybe 40, 42 Fahrenheit. It's going to get up to about 50, 52, but it's getting wetter and wetter and wetter during the course of the day. So it's going to be a, a pretty, you know, pretty nasty day, and it's far more um, north. Uh, European than, than Southern European um, conditions, at least for the first two days. And then after that, we're going to get into something that's um, heading towards more Spanish type weather. Um, it's, it's not going to be balmy by any stretch of the imagination, but you're looking at kind of 60, 62 degrees and the sunshine actually poking out from behind the clouds. Um, but by then, the course, um, which is designed to be set up firm and fast, as you'd expect with a link style track that they're trying to establish, um, it's likely to be particularly soft by then. It's raining at the moment, it has been raining the last couple of days, um, and it's gonna rain all the way up until Saturday by the looks of it. So they're gonna be turning up to a, a, a course that's um, wet and soft and um, with no wind, it's gonna be particularly scorable. And if you go back to that, that event that I talked about, the McGowan one, um, there was around a 60, McGowan himself got around a 60, 62, there were a number 63. So, um, the, clearly, the course is there and um, can be uh, can be taken advantage of. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously, we've not seen this on the TV for a, a number of years, so um, it, it'd be interesting to see exactly how it does pan Am out. Am I right in thinking this is near Madrid? Yeah. 
It is, yeah. The course itself overlooks Madrid, so um, is this like the best course in that area then? Because it, it just doesn't feel very doesn't feel very open esque, does it? Where you, you tend to get a course that stretches them a little bit. Yeah, well, this is the um, this is this is the home of the. Um, the, the Spanish Golf Federation. So this is where they do a lot of their. Um, if you've got the Spanish um, national team playing or practicing or whatever, then this is where they go. John Rahm um, studied here, so there's this kind of student facilities, um, and, they, and they use the course as part of their um, okay. part of their development. So Rahm's here for a couple of years, um, and he left. I think he must have been sixteen when he when he moved on to college from there. So he's not played the course for six years, but clearly before that he was playing it virtually every. Day. So you know he's, he he knows he knows the course particularly well. Um, is, I think that's that, I haven't seen a price like this for a long time. Is that yeah. why I'm seeing him as short as three to one? That's a Tiger Woods price in his yeah. prime. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking at the top of the market and Ram. Yeah, it does vary a bit because you got between nine to two down to three to one. But clearly, um, you know, some of the bookies are take, taking no chance in him whatsoever. And to be fair, you know, he, he finished fourth at the Masters last week. Um, there's only three players who've come over for this. There's Ram, there's Cabrera Bello, and uh, the uh, Mirzato's come over as well. And Mirzato uh, missed the cut, but uh, Cabrera Bello finished 38th, and clearly Ram was the uh, the star of those three because uh, yeah, whilst he didn't really get close enough to contention to really be um, considered a winner, but he was uh, you know he did particularly well. Hang on a second. He was two yards away from an eagle opportunity on 15, which would have put him at 14 under par. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that ball went back in the water. That's the fine margins that it took, you know? That's how yeah. close he came to being right in the mix. And yeah. it, uh, look, Looking at the end, the end of the day leaderboard, of course, he's uh, whatever, yeah. he's, five, he's four yeah, back. Yeah, but under, yeah, yeah. We said during our discuss, discussion, didn't we, last night on, um, uh, what do you call it? Help me out, Baron. WhatsApp. No, I'm a, WhatsApp. Yeah, WhatsApp. That's, you know I'm a technophobe. <laughs> we said we said if there's one player that's or two players that have shown their hands for previous, you know, for future masters, definitely Ricky Fowler. We knew about Jordan Spieth already, and John Rahm. I mean that that yeah. golf course is perfect for him. And you, you know he didn't come into it in great form. His stats were great for it. Mm. One thing I do remember about John Rahm. No, this to me. I know this won't be your style, Paul, and I'm not saying anything about your style, but to me, this shouts John Rahm win. And if I'm right in thinking, John Rahm went to the... Was it the Irish Open that he won at? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, And it was a soft, lynx golf course, and he absolutely destroyed it. Yeah, yeah, and in, and the temperatures weren't great there either. Um, mm. Last year it was pretty, it was cool enough, you know. Uh, never got too hot out there, so you know it seems like a parallel uh, going um, to this weekend. And in addition to that, the course was um, certainly not firm and fiery links anyway. No. You know, the, the links it, conditions were there, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't it, rock hard. It was soft, wasn't it? Yeah, he put on a demonstration. It was it was pretty special. Um, yeah. there's another player has popped into my head now based on all of this is Paul Dunn. You know, a couple of top yeah. tens of the PJ Tour. Had a nice week off there, watching the Masters and coming to a track, you know, an inland link-style course, which kind of um, might parallel a little bit, little bit to the, was it the British Masters last year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, which he which, won in very soft conditions up in Newcastle. With a 61 final round, you know, yeah. um, beating Rory. So... Uh, Rory's track record in final rounds ain't great at the moment. No, I didn't no, think I, if you if you take Paul Dunn over in the PJ Tour, he did well at the Corrales, didn't he? Which of course is a pretty substandard. But yeah. for then to go to Houston, which again played yeah. soft, a long par seventy-two, which I didn't really realise about the guy's length, but he's a very he's aggressive. Yeah, he's sneaky long. Yeah. I think I think again I think Paul Dunn's got a lot going for him there at twenty-two to one. Yeah. I'm I'm struggling to see past Rahman done, but you know, I'm no expert. But <laughs> I think well, well, I'll talk about where I'm kind of heading in a second. But uh, you, you're not particularly far off the mark. Um, the thing that you, that stuck out from looking at these two events, and I know we're talking about 2007, 2009, um, the whole the whole field found a lot of greens and regulation. It was particularly easy to find the greens. Now, it played soft both years, and the, the, the 2009, when the, the real score was made, um, it was lift clean, and uh, you know, the guys were, they were just uh, you know, putting their ball in from perfect lies on every, uh, every shot from the fairway. So, um, 
you're not particularly struggling to hit greens here. It's going to come down to, or it has come down to, how players performed on and around the greens. And when you consider that, um, for me, the, the name does stick out is exactly as Barry just said. It's Paul Dunn. You know, he's gone over to to the US. He's finished fifth at the Corrales. He's finished eighth at Houston. Um, the Corrales who was seventh for greens in regulation, fourth for scrambling, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we're talking about. Houston, who was seventh for putting average. So yeah. you know, he, the, the, those facets of the game that I think are going to be important for this um, are absolutely. Um, you know, he's, he's knocking on the door with it. Now, and you just know that that golf course is going to play soft for seventy-two holes after that after that rain on Thursday. Absolutely. You know, it, it's coming from a much higher grade down to something that's going to suit him down to the ground. Mm. The conditions, you know, of all of all the, the, the Spanish contingent there, they're going to be turning up, and it's going to be, you know, for them, it's going to be horrific weather. And um, for someone who's, you know, been there and he's he's spent his uh, formative golfing years out in, um, you know, not to say it's consistently raining all the time over in Ireland, but you know, he's going to be far more exposed to to those kind of conditions than yeah. uh, than many no, of the others. No jet lag issues, as Barry said. He's yeah. had his feet up watching the Masters for a week. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be chomping at the bit, isn't he? You know, I, one one other thing that um, I, you know I've talked about in the past. I tend to look at the following week's event and see who's played well in that before, either won it or contended, because um, it often starts to resonate in terms of either biorhythms or people um, relaxing before going back to an event that they feel that they're going to be particularly, um, you know, particularly competitive at. And next week it's um, Morocco. So this is where he had his first real chance to win a to a European Tour event, and he lost out in the playoff to uh, Dodo. Uh, yeah, to Dodo, who, who came through with a flying finish. You know, he had no no right to, to win that until he you know, went went eagle birdie at the end and uh, and forced a playoff. Now, Duns, you know, he's he's, he's going you know, next next week is exactly you know we're anniversary in that is is going to be. Uh, you know, part of his um, thought process, I'm sure, that he's, you know, he's, he can go into this week with a level of relaxation um, on a course and a setup that's likely to, to, to really suit. And It'd be interesting to see where he's playing next week because he's got a PGA to a top, top 10 exemption up his sleeve. So well, he, he was. He might go back to Valero, Texas Open next week. He was entered into both this week because uh, when, I yeah, looked was, at, yeah. when I looked at the original field, so clearly he's chosen Spain over. Um, over the RBC, so um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But to say that's a course-related choice. Well, he was he was on the alternate list at um, because this RBC Heritage is one of their um, uh, it's one of their invitational status events. So you get three years if you win it rather than two on the PJ Tour for your card, mm. and it's a lot trickier to get into because um, it's short field. And if you get a um, if you get a top ten and you're a non-member, you yeah. don't automatically get put in the field because it's an invitational. So next week he does have a Valero Texas Open invitation because it will carry over for the Houston Open. Yeah. Ah, very good. So I'd expect he'd go. You know, on the basis that if he gets another good finish over there, he's pretty much got a special temporary membership. So that he'd be able to play on the PJ Tour with full status next year, I'd I'd be very surprised, or he'd be ill-advised not to go back to Texas for next week. Mm. Yeah, the flip side is that he could potentially be playing a course that um, he knows he's come very very close to winning on before. But um, yeah, okay, mm. we shall see, we shall see. But that doesn't that mean that says nothing about his chances this week. No, no, we're, no, we're, we're all saying the same thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for me, you know, he, he sat there and watched watched the Masters, and he should be there. He's, you know, th- th- he's more than capable of being that kind of player at that kind of level. So, you know, I, th- I think you can have a, a Masters halo effect for for a short period of time with players that have either been there before and you know will feel that they you know they've got they've got to do their damnedest to get back in for next season. Here's a um, question for t- you two guys: Do you see Paul Dunn as a Ryder Cup per player? Potentially this year, you know, if he has a really stunning year, because he started, you no, know, he started very well. Why not? Why not? He's got, he's got to win some, some big points between now and then. But uh, why not? Potent- I mean, he's a potential captain's pick as well. If he yeah. puts himself up in that in the conversation, anyway, it's going to be tough to get into the automatic spots. But if he puts himself in that conversation for a captain's pick, he's um, he's a really gritty player and. Um, he and his personality would fit in well with the with the team, you know. Um, 
I think mm. he'd be he'd warrant very serious consideration. Yeah, yeah. You know, incredible putter, isn't he? And when you know push comes to shove in match play, you can bully another player off the. Uh, you know, if he was to go head to head with John Rahm this week, yeah, that 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 would be marking that'd be marking Thomas Bjorn's card, wouldn't it? The fact that this guy, you know, he's, he's not scared to mix well, not it. Not at all. Yeah. You saw what he did. You saw what he did up against Rory last year when he shot sixty-one heads up. Yeah, absolutely. Rory's Rory's got this remarkable ability of bringing out great rounds from his opponents. <laughs> he, I guess he has to take that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, they have to produce their best, don't they? Well, it's an interesting scenario this weekend because, again, as part of the consideration here is that the first two days are likely to be challenging, um, and then they're going to go into some some more placid weather. The, the rain's going to stop. Um, on a soft golf course, and at that point, you're going to need someone who's a streaky, um, you know, capable of low scorer. And uh, as you said, he, you know, he's, he's proven that um, categorically with that win at the British Masters. I, I, I think he's at, at, at the price on offer, twenty-two to one. I think he's a must bet this week. Is there anybody anybody else coming into your mind at all? Just yeah. just, in, just just so we don't get completely tied in on one player. No, absolutely. I, two two others that caught my caught my eye. Um, Sam Horsfield, and uh, he's currently um, seventy to one. You can get on him, mm. um, and he's another one who's gone over to the states and uh, you know um, performed well. He was fourteenth at the Arnold uh, Palmer Invitational. Um, high that level, fought, yeah, high yeah, level exactly. tournament debut. That's that's yeah. a quality, quality outing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And b- before that, he'd finished fourth at the Super Six, second at the uh, Schwanee Open, and then say so he went over to uh, to the API and finished fourteenth there. And you know, it raised a few eyebrows. But I think he's he's a capable lad. Um, and uh, you know, again, English boy. Um, he's he's he scored over in Florida, so he's got, he's had a bit of both. But. Um, no, why not? Why why can't he come and uh, compete in this kind of field? I'm sure that he can, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised at the price. I must say, he'd been on my um, you know target list um, since the back end of last week when I was you know looking at this particular event, and um, I was expecting a bit shorter. I must say, so so yeah, seventy one is seventy to one is a um, is is an interesting price there. Um, I suspect he'll go shorter than that because um, there's a lot of bookies around about the fifty to one mark, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, he's definitely uh, definitely one for the uh, the shortlist. And the other one who caught my eye was uh, Chawborn Olsen. And again, going back to this uh, this Masters uh, link, you know, clearly he's done well there in the past. He's not played this year. Um, I'm sure he's the kind of guy who's, who's going to want to get himself back there. And and to do that, he's got to start winning golf tournaments. Now, if you go back to Qatar, his last start, um, he was sixteen to one. And uh, you know, people were piling into him at sixteen to one, and, and for for me, that's, that's that's never a bet because he's no. as likely to miss the cut as he is to contend, and he missed the cut. <laughs> um, and um, I look at his price now; he's done nothing since because he's not played since. He's fifty to one, um, and he's going to a link style course that we know he can uh, contend and compete on because he's won the, the Dunhill Links. Uh, that was a particularly cold and dank week when he won that as well. The conditions were awful on the final day. Um, and again, if we can get someone who can um, navigate their way through to the weekend and then they've got the um, streaky scoring ability to put a, put a couple of rounds together to, to push themselves into the contending positions, um, Olsen's there, 50 to 1. I was, again, I'm pleasantly surprised at, given the, you know, given the lack of depth of field once you've got past um, John Ryan, really. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm thinking at the moment. I'm, I'm going to finalise it overnight um, and... Uh, Preview will be out around about lunchtime tomorrow with my final thoughts. What do you think, Barry? There's one other that has my eye, and I'm just linking back to the Irish Open last year. Um, I think you went and had a pretty decent event. Is Thomas Detry? Yep. Or Detry? I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. The young Belgian lad. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, so. 66 to 1. Yeah, yeah, kind of a uh, semi bomb bet, you know. Um, yeah, he's another one who's been kind of knocking on the door of, um, yeah, really contending on the European tour, and uh, he's more than capable. Seriously. Yeah, capable. I think you probably, you know, this the the field isn't too deep this week. You probably see a good opportunity. Um, up obviously up until the the recent break of a few weeks now, um, he was playing quite well, you know, uh, five top forties in a row. So, um, you know, at sixty six to one. Uh, that's quite tasty for uh, you know talented young player who's yeah. hungry to get more success. Going back to the um, Irish Open, another player who came through the field right at the end of that week was Richie Ramsey. 
Um, and he finished second behind uh, John Rahm in the end. And Ramsey's actually he's been striking the ball from tee to green. He's been really strong. He's just not quite put the um, the four rounds of putting together over the the, the last uh, the last few starts that he's had on the European Tour. But you're currently getting uh, 100 to one against Ramsey. So again, that's if you that's of, a tasty bet. Yeah, it, if you're kind of looking at the correlation between that uh, Irish Open uh, event and and this and. Who's to say there's not a strong correlation there? You know, we'll find out more over the course of the four days. But um, yeah, hundred to one could be a bet there as well. So, Interesting yes. times. I it's one of those events where you you can, especially with that low scoring. You 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 can't. You, what's the words I'm looking for? You cannot see John Rahm not being involved at the top of the market, top of the leaderboard. You can see someone like Paul Dunn in there as well. How does that Dietrich play? What's his? What's his? What? What? What's his? Um, is he a, a Thomas Peters type aggressive player or? Yeah, this, this, they're of a similar kind of mould. So, um, going, going back to Ram, I think the only reason you can really discount him is if you feel that he's going to be um, feeling the effects of the the, the week he's had over in Augusta. Yeah, haven't we? It's always interesting that one. Haven't we seen Lee Westwood and Louis Oosthuizen sort of gone go straight to a tournament around the world, like yep. Malaysia or somewhere, and just win the week after contending at Augusta? Yeah, well, if you go back to the um, to, to this this event a few years ago, and uh, you got uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez um, finished fourth at Augusta. Um, and then came and won won the uh, Open Disbandia. So, well, know, the, the next week itself, yeah, it was it was his next start. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to check if it was immediately straight after mm. or, or, or a week in between. But um, it rings a bell that it was straight after. Um, so yeah, you know, as you say, you know, Louis done it, and uh, yeah, that was the kind of thing that Westy always used to do. Isn't it? He'd just mm. uh, he'd just go off and beat a, a you know a, a poor field up in uh, on the Asian Tour somewhere. But um, it's what you said about biorhythms. A lot of these players, once they get in a once they get in a frame of mind and a form and a confidence, they just they could just reel they can just reel performances together, can't they? Just link yeah. them together. Yeah, and you get the feeling with Rahm, he's one of those kind of guys, especially if it's a soft golf course. I do think he's a soft golf course um, type. Yeah, I mean, was it any surprise when he started to catch fire really on... Uh, he started well on Friday, didn't he? And then he really caught fire on Saturday when that, that course started to get wet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's definitely one to keep in mind and, 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 and be interesting to watch whether he can, you know start competing on firm and fast golf courses if the weather ever improves in the northern hemisphere this year we might get a chance to see that happen um, but yeah crossed. certainly if there's any rain forecast for augusta he is an auto add to the uh, the betting slip in future yeah, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna win a green jacket isn't he i must remember to make notes of all these things that we discuss yeah because by, by next next year i've completely um gone off and be backing Jason Day like an idiot again. So <laughs> I, I need to remember these words of wisdom. Right, RBC Heritage uh, played. It's always the, it's, it's the standard fare, isn't it? Harbour Harbour Town Golf Links. They tend to play this the week after Augusta. Um, seven, but you know, if you're looking at Augusta, and then you're looking for a course that's kind of completely 180 degrees different this isn't far from it really um very short uh, sub 7100 yards um by the coast bermuda grass greens rather than bent grass um very very tight off the tee and absolutely tiny greens we're looking at um 3700 square feet average greens where last week I expect you looking closer at 8,000 square feet, mm. maybe even more than that. Um, it's a Pete Dye design, and if you're looking for other courses that Pete Dye has designed on the PGA Tour, get yourself a pen and paper. 2010 and 2015 PGA Championship at Whistling Straits. There was also the Ocean Course, Kiowa, Kiowa Island, where they played the 2012 PGA Championship. Uh, he's also got TPC Louisiana, where they played the, the Zurich Classic. Uh, TPC Sawgrass, of course, 
the, uh, for the Players' Championship and also TPC Stadium course at PGA West. That's the host course now for the Career Builder Challenge since 2016 and Crooked Stick where they played the 2012 and 2016 BMW Championship as part of the FedEx Cup Playoff Series. Now... Well, with Augusta, and this again, I mean, I'm just looking at my um, my numbers from last week. Um, where for Augusta, you're looking for guys that are very, very aggressive, guys that play the par fours particularly well, which Patrick Reed was fourth for par four birdie or better going into Augusta last week. He was 24th for going for the green. He was also in the top 50 for distance to apex. So... A nice high ball flight when required. Perfect, perfect attributes for Augusta. Turn it on its head. That's not what we're looking for this this week at Harbour Town. And in the main, you really want players that are neat and tidy for here. And one of the numbers I look at here is, again, I, I look for players that have actually got a relatively low ball flight for around here. Because if you go back through Brandon Grace, we know that what kind of stinger shot he has when he won here in the wind in 2016. But even the likes of last year, uh, Wesley Bryan, you know, we're not talking power, long, big hitters here. Jim Furyk, of course, a two-time winner. Matt Kuchar, Graham McDowell, Carl Pettersson, Branch Snedeker. You're looking at players there with a a relatively low ball flight and players that are very, very neat and tidy from tee to green. So players that can hit a prerequisite amount of greens because the, the, the problem we're going to have or players have here at um, Harbour Town Golf Links is even for players who are at the top of their ball striking game, hitting anything in excess of 70% greens in regulation with these tiny greens is very, very difficult. And what that tends to do, of course, that tends to be or bring very good putters into the equation. So if you've got some putters that can actually hit a decent amount of greens, they've got a, a real putter's chance of getting into contention this week. So it kind of suits those that are neat and tidy. I, I, I personally look for, for guys that are neat and tidy. have got a track. If, you've, if they've got a track history on other peat dye designs, I think that's a real positive. And there's also a very strong link here. Um, there's a very strong link between Copperhead, where they play the Valspar Championship, and here. Um, taking that to last year, Wesley Bryan had finished in the top 10 at Copperhead on his tournament debut at the Valspar. And then he came here and barely hit a green, barely hit a fairway, but putted the lights out and scrambled like an absolute genius. And he had a fantastic Sunday, if you remember, and came through a a field of blubbering wrecks, you know, Jason Duffno and the likes, going backwards, Graham Dillette, and he came through, I think he, he, he made, from memory, it was four or five straight birdies on the back nine to come and pretty much steal the title. And then, if you remember, it went viral on, you know, via, you know, the golf betting community. There was a, there was a page that said about Wesley Bryan always going to Harbour Town and um, renting a condo. His family used to rent a condo next to the second fairway or something, and he'd play the golf course. He, he had tons of experience of playing here. So even though it was his tournament debut, he'd actually got tons of experience at the golf course. So um, he won it last year at 80-1. to 1. Now, that trend in price is interesting. 2017, Brian was 80s. Brandon Grace was 40s. Jim Furyk was 25s. Matt Kuchar was 18s. Graham McDowell was 40s, Carl Peterson was 55s, Branch Snedeker 35s. So actually, average it all out, 38 to 1 is the average winning price around here. And if you look at those players, guys, I mean, Wesley Bryan was, um, let me just check. Bryan had had a good season already on the PGA Tour. I think he had four, three or four top 10s. Um, he was already up to 73rd in the world when he won this. Grace was 14th, Furyk was 10th, Kuchar was 6th. GMAC was 18th, you know, Carl Peterson was in the top 70, Branch Snedeker was in the top 70. So, you know, there's, there's a case here for good players get the job done and actually win on this golf course. So, you know, tight, um, but scorable, I think. And 
from what you were saying, Paul, we, we might be seeing a scenario this week over in America that's the reverse again to what you're seeing in Spain. Because there's been some rain over the weekend. Um, it's not a million miles away from, um, from Augusta, of course. Um, there's been some more rain today. There looks like there's going to be more rain tomorrow. So you could be getting a golf course that's quite lush as we're actually heading into Thursday. Um, there was a lot of rain before the tournament last year, actually. But if you remember, they, they replaced the greens here two years ago. So they're now yeah. they're pure Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass greens. Mm. And the last two years, because they're new, they haven't been particularly receptive. They haven't potentially bedded down. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see in the third year how much softer and more receptive these greens are going to be. They should um, should start to after after a while, shouldn't they? Yeah, they, should, they usually one, rock hard for a year or so, aren't yeah, they? And then the first year was terrible. And um, last year, for the amount of rain that that course took, it was seventy millimeters before the tournament. They, right. uh, I've, I've got in my notes that they, the, you know, there was very little um, spin for approach shots, even on the Thursday. No, it was, yeah, it was it wasn't playing soft, even though the uh, conditions should have. Dictated that it should be. But going, back to the, yeah, going back to the weather, you've got um, rece- likely to be receptive, softer fairways. We don't know about the greens, of course, but I expect they're going to be more receptive than they would want them to be. Um, the wind then starts, so I think Thursday and Friday, this course can be very scorable, uh, very little wind. Saturday, the wind starts to ratchet up. We're looking up to gusts of 20 miles an hour, so not crazy, crazy wind, but enough to get your attention. And then Sunday, I mean, it's early doors, it's Monday, and we know how these forecasts can change. But I'm seeing uh, rain, I'm seeing thunderstorms, and I'm seeing winds of up gusting over 40 miles an hour. Right. So that could mean a range of things. Couldn't it? it could mean very difficult conditions. It could mean that it all gets rained off and we've got a Monday finish. But um, That's going to make it particularly tough if, it is, uh, if that does... Uh that does happen. Yeah, also. I remember the year GMAC won here in 2013. He won at um, nine under, and Grace won at nine under. Very, very windy both those years. Mm. Bit of rain, I think, mixed in both times. Uh, and then it can go as low as the year that Jimbo won, two, uh, 2015. He beat Kisner in the playoff. It was 18 under, but then it was tranquil and very, very soft and attackable. So um, that's kind of where we're at. Um, any players that are grabbing your attention before I go into um, any you know players that I've got on my short list? Uh, I've I know, I know ba- that you've got some, Baron. Yeah, I've already backed Siwoo Kim. Um, He's a bomb. Yeah. Bomb alert. Bomb bet, 110 to 1. I just took him early on bet 365 just in case uh, I lost any value whatsoever. And uh, yeah, he'll probably drift out knowing my luck, but um, what is he at right now? No, uh, still. You can get him at 125s uh, on pa- yeah. Paddy Power. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm, I have a free bet from Paddy Power from last week, so I might just top up and really go for it. <laughs> he, he's yeah. the sort you just back every time he plays on Bermuda grass, isn't he? Well, yeah, and at some uh, point, some point he's going to fire. Well, he's got some Pete Dye um, history as well, hasn't he, from his Players Championship uh, victory? So, you know, there's a nice little correlation there. Yeah, he didn't do badly at the Masters either, did he? So, what, twenty fourth, I think he finished. Twenty fourth, yeah, and um, ninth to you know, a couple of weeks previously at the, the match play. So, you know, yeah. good bit of form showing. And I don't was... know about you guys, but that's one of the factors I try and build into this I don't really want players that have been in the heat of battle last week yep ah I mean I'm just I'm just all I'm looking at I'm looking at last year so top five none of the top five actually played at Augusta at all yeah Uh, anything on the year before or is that is that well year before that year to year well year before that we had Brandon Grace he'd missed the cut Luke Donald hadn't played at Augusta uh, Russell Knox had played at Augusta and missed the cut. Uh, DeChambeau was 21st and Kevin Nile was 55th at Augusta. Okay, so, oh. Sorry, so no heavy involvement last week is a, is a kind of a thing to, to add in to... I'll, yeah. I'll, go, I'll go another year for you. Uh, Furyk missed the cut at Augusta. Kevin Kisner and Troy Merritt didn't play. Uh, Brendan Todd had played but missed the cut. Uh, Matt Kuchard finished 46th and Sean O'Hare, who he also placed, 
he didn't play at Augusta. So, I mean, Matt uh, uh, played devil's advocate. Matt Kuchar the year before that, who had, I think he'd finished second in Houston, he'd finished fifth Augusta, came here and won. So, but the last three renewals, any kind of contention at Augusta seems to be a bit of a no-no. Yeah, I, uh, going back through some vague notes that I, I read through earlier, I'm sure I read a, a, a note that said something like um, 24 of 27 uh, winners here had been um, involved in some shape or form. Now, it doesn't mean they were uh, you know, they could have missed the cut badly. It doesn't really matter. Um, I think that the fact that they were playing seems to have had some correlation. Now, that might just be a geography thing where players um, go, you know, decide to go from from Augusta to uh, to play this event, or you know, RBC have got a lot of players that um, they sponsor who go straight over as well, but. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't. You know, similar to Ram, really. If you got someone who was right at the very top, and uh, you know, in in, in with um, you know, even an outside chance, um, has that taken anything out of them mentally? Um, I don't know. It's, it's one of those factors, isn't it? Well, I, I just look at the betting. Clearly, we've got the world number one here, Dustin Johnson. Now, the only reason Dustin's playing this, let's be brutal, is because he's sponsored now by RBC. He he yeah. wouldn't attend this tournament in a million years. So well, except for the having to play a tournament every four years rule as well now. What, a new to tournament? Yeah, yeah, if you haven't played, you have the PGA Tour rule to kind of uh, increase the quality of fields across all the events. But if, if you're thinking about an anti-Dustin Johnson golf course, this one's pretty much up, pretty, I, I thought it's quite high on the list, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty perhaps, high. <laughs> perhaps he's just knocking this off his list, get two days out of the way and... Uh, well, yeah, it. that doesn't mean he doesn't win at a canter, but no. yeah, he, he doesn't fit in my kind of... Clearly, he's a Caroline, Carolinian as well, but it just doesn't seem to fit for me, Dustin Johnson, around here. Um, and I struggle with quite a few at the top of the market in those respects. Um, but uh, you, you were questioning that. So who, who have you got as other players that you're going to back in, Baron? Uh, I was really disappointed with Cooch last week. I thought um, I thought he'd go a bit better the way he's been playing and talking up his game. And um, started yeah, well, didn't he? Started very yeah, well. Yeah, I know. Maybe he just got into his own head a bit too much. Um, well, you know, I put a ten. I put a tenner on him on Betfair Exchange, and he collapsed like a like a lead balloon at that point. No, uh, I think, I think you, it was my must have been the weight of your money, Steve. Yeah. You yeah. failed to mention that. Thank mm. you. Pre- <laughs> it was the kiss. It was the kiss of death for Bamford. Okay, well, if I say I might back him this week, would you kindly keep your money away from him? Yeah. <laughs> um, Cooch is interesting me. Um, low ball flight player, Ali Schneiderjans, finished third year last year. Not showing great form, but, you know, pick up on that low ball flight, biorhythm, good feelings, going back to a place he had. Uh, had a very good tournament last year. And he's <clears throat> he's up around 50 to 1 as well. So, you know, kind of... Maybe sticking with the theme or the trend of uh, fifty to one winner last week, he kind of fits in there too. He's certainly got a stinger, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody remembers that. Uh, it was the two iron he hit that went about three thirty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was at Sedgefield, of course. And Sedgefield's got quite a good link into this, you know, par seventy. You're thinking as well, Siwoo. Did Siwoo Kim win at uh, Sedgefield? He did, didn't he? Yeah, the Wyndham. Yeah. Donald Ross design now. That's, you know, you look at the likes of Graham McDowell, Carl Pettersson, Snedeker, Jim Furyk. They've all done well at Sedgefield. So that link between Schneider, Jan, Siwoo, Kim and and uh, the Wyndham, that's that's quite a strong link there, Barry. The, the week before he won the Wyndham, he finished 25th. Last week, he finished 24th. Lock it, lock it in. <laughs> who, who, who's, uh, who's caught your eye this week, Steve? Um, I'm going neat and tidy. Um, there's a few players that I do. I'm, I'm shunning the very top of the market. I have to say, DJ Casey. It was interesting with Paul how he started. To, he's got a bad back apparently. I don't. I don't buy a word of that. It was funny how he played absolutely abysmally for two days, ruled himself out of the tournament, and then decided to shoot ten under at the weekend. But you did warn me against backing Paul Casey, so that's another. Well, it one. could have been better than that as well, couldn't it? Because he was uh, he, he was flying on Sunday. Oh yeah, he, he went bogey bogey just so that he wasn't on seven under and in the mix for a top 
top eight payout. But anyway, Matt Kuchar, that that's one that you've got to bear with a lot of respect, haven't you? Because like you said, he's got the full game. Keeps showing some, keeps showing some real flashes of getting back to his best, Kuchar. Um, if Cameron Smith hadn't have gone so well this week, I'd have been very tempted to go on him. You know, um, pretty long and straight, um, great short game. I don't particularly like Leishman. I think he's got probably too much of a high ball flight for here. Um, I'm not a great fan of Hatton for the same reason around here. So that kind of brings me down to the likes of Brian Harmon. Um, if you're looking for a guy that's clearly playing some very good golf at the moment, Brian Harmon's your man. Um, I've got him 19th in bogey avoidance, 21st in scoring average, 9th in par 4 performance, which I think is a key category. Um, because, of course, we've only got three par 5s this week. He's also 34th. What I do like here are guys that have got some very good proximity to, to hole numbers. He's 34th in that category. He was nowhere near that last year when he came here. And he made the cut on the number and he made it back into the top 10. And he actually had a chance going down the stretch where if he'd have ruled off a couple more birdies, he'd have got right into the mix. So I do like um, Harmon. He's actually um, a local guy as well. He grew up in Savannah, which is just up the coast across the Georgia border. And he said last year, this is one of those key tournaments, you know, a bit like... Um, bit like Zach Johnson when he won the John Deere Classic, called it his fifth major. Yep. You could you just get the feeling with Harmon that he really holds this tournament in high regard. He's played a lot of junior golf around here. So I can't avoid Brian Harmon. Um the other one I really do like towards the um that rich forty to one spot. Um I'll take a view from you two on this is Adam Hadwin, who I think is playing some really nice golf at the moment. He's actually he's actually second in my ten week greens and regulation uh, shot tra uh, tracker. I, I heard uh, a lot of positives about him last week and listening to various um, podcasts well, he, and commentators. Um, he was top five, wasn't he, at the end of the first round? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. And one of the one of the things I've noted here in my um, introduction, let me just find it for you because it's quite an interesting piece uh, piece of information. Um, Harbour Town shares Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass Greens with Copperhead. And as mentioned before, the Copperhead course at Innisbrook shares Carolina course overtures in its setup, so tree lined, lots of dog legs and the like. Seven of the seven of the last nine winners from 2009 onwards had all finished in the top ten around Copperhead at some point prior to winning here. So take that. So clearly a very strong correlation between Innisbrook and here. Adam Hadwin won his first and only PGA Tour title there last year, didn't he? At 66 mm -hmm. to 1. Yep. So I, I like the fact that he's hitting tons of greens. He's been, um, he was top 10 at the WGC event in Mexico. He then went to Copperhead and he was defending his title and finished 12th. I think he, um, he knocked. Uh, I think he just about. Uh, he, I think he didn't get beaten at the World Golf Championships. I think it was two two halves and a win. Didn't get out of the group, but you just get the feeling he's playing some very nice golf at the moment. Had win, yeah. and we know that he can putt on Tiff Eagle. So he's definitely going in for tomorrow. He's going in the um, preview for tomorrow as well. So Adam Hadwin, forty to one. I'm um, getting on Hadwin. Yeah, I can see that. Any any that you like, Paul. Um, well, I'm, I'm on Sigur Kim as well, so um, looks like me and Barry are going to go for the double double. Oh, I love first. this. <laughs> I might just have to join in and have half a point on him, just because I don't want to go for the second week of missing out. Yeah, Steve, if yeah. we just give you a percentage of our win, will you please stay off him? You... Well, it doesn't help my profit and loss on the website. That's the <laughs> I tell you, the other one I do like, and I know that Paul's going to go for this, is first round leader Matt Every. Oh, and, and without any shadow of a doubt, Every's going in first round leader. Um, I've got a couple of outrights. Um, I, I think Jim Fury could go well. I know you, you, people will scoff, but um, he's got a fantastic record round here and actually showed a bit of form, didn't he, at the Valspar? He did, um, yeah. He came seventh, eighth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, seventh I got down. Um, and uh, Wesley Bryan finished seventh at the Valspar last year prior to winning. Yeah. If you like little trends. Um, and... He's not got a great deal of stats on the PGA Tour for the season because he's uh, he's clearly not played a great deal of golf. But um, 
I keep a separate tracker of um, six months rolling um, scrambling and he tops out at the moment and if this comes down to a, a bit of a grind as you say on Sunday particularly if it's getting nasty you're going to need someone who's going to be able to grind out those uh, those pars and uh, Jimbo's past master at that isn't he you know he's got on a course that he absolutely uh, knows like the back of his hand he's won a couple of times he's uh, got a couple more runner up finishes as well I can see the score getting some kind of 10, 11, 12 under after the first round, two rounds, and everyone will be going, oh, this is, you know, or they're taking the course apart, or something around that 10 under mark. And then I just think it's going to get progressively more difficult. And if they have to play on Sunday, those conditions look disastrous. They look yeah. really nasty. So someone with Furyk's experience and ability to grind. I mean, Brad Schnedeker's in the same category there, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Someone who someone can handle a bit of wind and uh, mm. grind out those pars when they absolutely need to. So, yeah, uh, Furyk's another one that I'm looking at. The other one that I have backed today is Kevin Streelman. Now, Streelman finished third here in 2013, um, and his last couple of attempts, um, 53rd, 55th, so he kind of way off the radar. Um, finished sixth at Pebble Beach, you know, another one of these tracks that's got uh, tiny little greens. And, and if you look at his season-to-date stats, he's 14th for driving accuracy, second for greens and regulation, third for scrambling. So those elements of his game are really, um, really firing at the moment. It's and just the putting, isn't it? Yeah, it's just the putting, yeah, absolutely. But the um, fact of the matter is, if you're hitting a lot of greens around here, they're such small greens, and you read the interviews, if you're on the green, you've pretty much got a birdie opportunity. Yep, yep. So poor putters can thrive in a way. And when Jim Furyk came here, he's, he was putting abysmally in 2015. But gets to a course he knows. And I know Strelman's got a top three here, isn't he? Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, 2013, yeah. Yeah, he's one, to, he's one for me to give very close um, inspection to. Um, where, 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 was his, um, where was his maiden victory on the, Europe, uh, on the PGA Tour in 2013? Copperhead. Copperhead. Your trump card. 125 to 1, so that's one I've taken with um, Coral seven places earlier today. You listen to this, Paul. Second for bogey avoidance. Um, 35th for scoring average. 13th for par 4 performance. And 34th for proximity to hole. So he's actually, that's a clean sweep of the numbers that I'm looking for. Yep. Just, need, just needs to have an um, average to good putting week and he's going to contend at a decent three-figure price. What price is he? 125 I took earlier. Wow. Mm. 60 to 1 with Paddy Power. So you, you know that, I, we, we always say, don't we? We love it when bookmakers have got a different view on players. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, there's a huge disparity there, isn't there? So yeah, 60 all the way up to 125 available right now. So, uh, mm. Tempting. Yes. Indeed. So the other ones that I did like the look of potentially would be our old mucker Reb, Webb Simpson, who never seems to win. And I don't know about I take a view from you on this guy, Paul uh, Barry Ryan Moore. Very yeah. very very good record at Copperhead. He's won at Sedgefield in the past. And if you look at the kind of courses where you want someone to be playing well at, there's always a, I'll tell you what I've noticed here, a big link between, I don't know why, but well, kind of know why, it's Tiff Eagle, Bermuda Grass. But guys that have won here, like Jim Furyk, uh, um, and like Branch Schnedeker, uh, like Matt Kuchar, have got top three or four finishes at Kapalua. Even Zach Johnson, of course, mm. has won at Kapalua. And he's got a decent record here. Graham McDowell's finished third at Kapalua. Carl Pettersson's finished in the top five there. And I just know Ryan Moore was third there last year at Kapalua. And he's going to feel this is so much easier for him than uh, the last week at Augusta. Hmm. Does it's, it's you know it's because when he's really on it, he can go okay at Augusta. Just don't think he's long enough to win there. But this is going to feel like a walk in the park compared to that for him. So I think he was, what, in the mid-20s last week? 28th. I had a bet on him. Um, well, obviously, it just didn't, didn't work out. But, yeah, it's a good shout. Um, and he's got, he's got a strong ball flight, which would be good when the wind picks up. Well, he's, de he's decent in the wind. He's decent on a soft golf course as well, if it's going to be scoreboard at the outset. Yeah. Does the Bermuda put you off at all, Steve? Yeah, he's never won on Bermuda grass. I'll give you that. Um, but we, we talked about him being you, a bent grass monster last week, didn't we? But if you look at the if you look at the places where he does play well on Bermuda grass, Kapalua is Tiff Eagle, 
And he also has done very well at um, Copperhead, which again is Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass. I think he's got a top ten at Doral on Bermuda, on Tiff. So I think if he's going to play well on Bermuda Grass, it's the Tiff Eagle strain that he actually can put on. And don't forget, he was fifth at Bay Hill a few weeks ago, wasn't he? And that's Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, he's playing well. He's playing well. Is another one of these that's got some huge disparity in terms of price. Cause well, I'm seeing, I'm seeing 60 to 1 about him on Paddy Power. Yeah. And 33s with some of the other firms. So, yeah, again, there's yeah. a bit, bit so, of confusion about where he should I, actually I, be. I'm gonna, I, I think I'm going to find it. I tell you the reason why people aren't keen on him is because he's got no course form here. Hmm. But you just get the feeling, you know, a guy that can pick his way around a golf course, a guy that can hit a lot of greens, a guy that can also get a warm putter. And he's got the ability to grind when he needs to. I, I don't think Moore's a bad shout, especially at sixty to one. Mm. Could so, be that sweet spot. Yeah. Oh, it's a very tempting bet. I re. And I, he's one of my favourite players, so uh, I think you might have sold me on that one. <laughs> Currently logging into Paddy Power. <laughs> so Paul's cut sold me on Kevin Streelman, and I've sold you on Ryan Moore. Yeah. Yeah, and all of a sudden from a week where you think you might not put on a whole load of bets, you need to just kind of take a breath after the Masters. You're like, oh, I fancy a few of these. So, <laughs> um, but I mean, look, hopefully you can kind of we can keep the uh, the hot streak going, you know? Absolutely. Fingers crossed. Well, yeah, the biorhythm for betting is good at the moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, is that it, guys? Uh, anything else to say? Are you happy? No, we're good. Good luck to everybody who's gambling on the uh, events this week. Yeah, absolutely. Best of luck, guys. Thanks for your time, gentlemen. It's always been a pleasure. And um, thank you for listening. We will be back again next week for the... What have we got next week on the European Tour? Uh, the uh, Trophy Hassan Dur. Hassan Dur, right. The Trophy Hassan Dur. And also the Valero Texas Open. Thank you for listening and see you again next week. <laughs>